Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the City Chatter Podcast. I'm the host, John Bernstrom. I'm the Public Information Officer for the City of Grand Forks. And today, we are joined by Ward 7 City Council Member Ken Veen. Ken, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Ken, you and I, we've been working together now since uh, 2012. You're you're almost a dozen years on the council. Yeah, it's (laughs) it's flowing by, I'll tell you that much. (laughs) It's going quick. Uh, Ken, I apologize if I'm frazzled today. I came here straight from our uh, our new city council chambers, which we're going to have a meeting in next week. Um, it's it's like remodeling a house, and you got to make sure every outlet works. And you know, we're plugging things into outlets to make sure they work. We're turning on mics, we're turning off mics. Of course, we're finding things. And it was literally uh, twelve thirty five, and I looked at my watch, and I go, "I gotta go." <laughs> so forgive me on that one. Um, so Ken. Uh, I was having you on. You've probably, of all of our city council members, um, you, you've been on council now for a dozen years. You probably have the most history as, as, between city within working in city government. Can you talk about um, pre-council from, what, mid-80s to just after the flood? You were a city employee. Yeah, I came on in, I think, like 1984, and I was with the city for 17-plus years. Um, I started working with the city as the assistant city engineer. I came from a consulting background and then came in. And then um, as time went by, uh, I worked under, uh, was Frank Orthmeyer, the city engineer back then, and he was a city engineer and public works director when he retired. Uh, I went through kind of an interesting chain of positions because I became the acting city engineer and public Works director, and then they gave me the city engineer job, but then I acted as public works director, and then finally I became the city engineer and public works director. So had had at least four changes in titles while I was uh, working for the city in those 17 years. Oh, and you did such a good job of engineer and public works director, they couldn't replace just you, they split it. <laughs> uh, while you were working for the city, I mean, I got I to gotta touch on it because it, it was a tough time, right? There's a line in the sand in Grand Forks history. But you were city engineer, public works director uh, during the flood and recovery of the flood in '97. Uh, just uh, as much as you, it's it's been how many years now? But that's your position during that time. Um, are you still tired? <laughs> um, it was tough. It was strenuous. It was you know both physically and emotionally at a time when you see you know the city experiencing it, being out, actually watching the water come up out of the inlets and flooding the streets, you know, from the backwards is what you would see, um, was uh, uh, certainly a life-changing experience. Um, And uh, it was, uh, you know, meaningful. It was was needing to be here and trying to address the issues. You didn't have time to really put much thought or emotion, but you just had to try to get the project done, you know. Uh, at that time, in fact, I was working uh, in my city engineer position, uh, developing the plans and specifications for the what's now the Alera Center. And I remember telling everybody there I'd have to take a couple weeks off because we had to do this flood fight because <laughs> we did flood fights, it seemed yeah. like, every year. And then this one 
um, you know, I was sitting there. We, you know, the technology was so different, but we finally got it so I could at least with a uh, a pager understand what the elevation of the oh, water okay, was. And I sure. kept looking at it and it kept going up and up and up and you know every hour it was going up a tenth of a foot and you started realizing this isn't going to be any ordinary fight and of course we already knew that I yeah. mean, it was going to be larger it just ended up significantly greater. Yeah and, and I think you are one who probably understands best when I explain to people our current flood protection system again as a result of flood in 97 the Probably majority of the most important stuff you don't see. It's underground. Uh, you're talking about the stormwater backing up, coming up. The our, our stuff is in place to protect us from that. Now, I, I, you were involved early stages of that. That's that was the I, I will say the really important stuff. Yeah, I mean there there is so it, much. the it's, whole thing is important. Way complex, yeah. and it does take a whole team. That's the one thing I did. We had the team working as hard, the best we could. I mean, the public works departments who were doing all of that early flood fighting, the you know Sandbag Central, which will help get people. But we had to be working on on designs for each segment of the the river and who we were going to get to try to keep monitoring that. The Corps of Engineers came in early. They were, you know, very, very big part of the team, uh, as was FEMA. I mean, FEMA was actually on the the ground early. Uh, The governor, our delegation, congressional delegation, all people were, were part of it. Yeah, except it overwhelmed it, us. Yeah, it was it was it was a lot. Well, okay, so that it, it, end of your time as city employee, um, you, you you've worked multiple jobs since then. But it, I, I'm calling it your political career. Yes, you, you're on city council since 2012. Um, you you came on. Uh, we were talking beforehand. I believe you were the the class with Brett Weber, who we had on about a month ago. Um, but you, this is far from your first. I'm, I'm using air quotes. Political position. Um, at the state level, um, garrison diversion, what's it called? Conservancy district. Um, you've been on that, uh, highly involved with Red River Valley water supply, which at the last legislature, we're not over the finish line yet, but we took a, a big jump on that. That's bringing water from Western North Dakota to the Eastern part of the state. Uh, just talk about the, the advancements we've made in that in probably the past two legislative cycles? Yeah, you know, that project's been around forever. And, yeah. And in fact, it was a part of, there was reformulation acts back in the 60s and 70s. It's a part of the Pixloan uh, projects that were going to be on the Missouri River that would deliver water from eastern or western North Dakota to eastern North Dakota. So yeah, I, I got on the Garrison Diversion Conservancy District specifically because that was the organization that was actually spearheading the uh, development of an alternative water source for the city of Grand Forks. Uh, Personally, my objectives were once we've worked through uh, the flood protection, a permanent flood protection, Mm -hmm. which, you know, addressed too much water. Uh, The other object was how do you address too little water? Right. And be honest with you, most of my life that's been a part of my uh, directions for moving forward. And, and so that's a principal reason why I was on the garrison diversion uh, as the uh, actually that would be a county elected position yes. as the director of the count, from the county on that board. 
Yeah, for those who, who who vote and recognize Ken's name beyond city council, that's where you're seeing it. You're seeing it on, on, on the ballot box for Grand Forks County for the Garrison Diversion. Yeah, and it just coincidentally, every time, they're both on at the same time every four years. <laughs> those, so. those come up. So uh, if you could talk, there's a, uh, the North Dakota legislature is heavily involved in that project with the River Valley Water Supply. Um, the uh, the last legislative session, uh, they, they've always given legislative intent, uh, but they actually put a dollar amount on it uh, this, this past session uh, to their intent. Not necessarily the the actual allocated dollars, but I I feel I work with the legislature too that that was a big step. It was a great step, and not only the intent, we're actually been to the water commission to actually see that that is a part of the budget, and that there's actually action to get those yes. waters. We did have intent, uh, maybe back in about 2013 or 15, uh, that didn't become reality, and so. This was nice that it was actually intent, and there actually was a bill in there that would deliver a funding for us. So the funding that we received in the last session was, the, I think, the, one of the largest individual projects ever funded through the State Water Commission, right. we'll say in this case, and is the, uh, the path forward for us to be implementing the project. What's interesting is the project is under construction. There's been work done on the inlet, there's been work on the outlet, and the pipelines have a number of crews that are going, and that will continue uh, for the next probably six years. Uh, it's it's a huge project. It's a yeah. billion dollars. It's a 72-inch pipe going 168 miles, um, and so it's... Um, it's going to it take some time to get done, but at least, you know, uh, we seem to be best aligned with the legislature and, um, and internally with Garrison. And then there's another aspect of that that doesn't get talked about, and it's called the Lake Agassiz Water Authority. So all the local users, the cities of Grand Forks, yes. Fargo, uh, uh, West Fargo, and smaller communities, really all the users of eastern North Dakota are part of the Lake Agassiz Water Authority. So that authority also represents... Uh, again, those individuals that works hand-in-hand hand with Garrison to deliver the project. And one of the fortunate things is because of my experience on, on uh, the city council, I'm the council representative for Lake Agassiz Water Authority, too. So personally, I hit water from the, the local and the uh, side and then from Garrison's side, which is a kind of a, like a quasi-state sure. agency. quasi-state, yep. Yep. And and just to, to let people know, as we're talking, people who follow the city, we've talked about this project a lot. It, it literally is, is it's taking from water from uh, Lake Sakakawea. You mentioned that. I, I'm really going to dumb it down here. So, so it, it, taking a pipe that eventually gets into Lake Ashtabula, correct? Which is then in the Cheyenne system, which makes its way into the Red River system and, and supplies the east. Is, is th- that That is the Cliff Notes version, but am I pretty close on that? You're, you're pretty close on that. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, and then there, that involves public right-of-way and stuff like that that needs to be acquired and all that, all yeah, that stuff. It's, it's a huge project, yeah. but, but it's nice to say it's going. Um, you mentioned uh, you had to take a break from building the Alaris, or being on the group to build the Alaris Center uh, for the flood of 97. Um, fast forward, you become a member of the Grand Forks City Council of 2012, and we throw you on the Event Center Commission. Uh, <laughs> you know, Alaris Center, the past several years, huge success, huge success. Can you talk about your work on, on that commission? Well, I yeah. I, first of all, it is a huge success because it's had its ups and downs in the earlier mm-hmm. years, and trying to make that to 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 work and, and bring back the economics that it was intended to do. And when we bought 
brought on what's now OBG 360. Um, we took over from an in-house and brought in an, a firm that was a national firm yep. that has grown. And that leadership and the backing that they had for bringing in, especially the events, but just the whole organization and structure today, if you look at it, it's extremely professional. Um, the number of events that they have, uh, the really the return on the investment, and uh, not everybody realizes it was an effort to get that started. I mean, we had to go through two votes just to get yep. that, that pursued. Yep. And, and, you know, it was working, don't get me wrong, but today it's really at a different level as you look at the number of events that are coming in. And, and again, we talk about just the straight economic benefit, but with, if you ever were to add the multipliers in, it'd oh, be it'd huge. Be, I mean, you think about, uh, I've, I've been there before for an event, like a, a wedding or, or a meeting, there's, there's other ev- events, weddings, meetings going on, and a football game. Just staff, you talk about multipliers. Staff alone to get all that done is amazing. It is, and, and you know they have certain amount of, of course, permanent staff, but the sure. temporary staff that you have to bring in. When you could go from a football game one night to a concert the other next day and try to operate both of them, you know, using that same field, uh, that's an effort. And they've they'll put in forty eight hours in some of those conversions. So the staff that works out there, truly amazing to get that done. Heads up, coming up in November. Uh, you and I may be asked to ask uh, to work somewhere. Uh, UND football's at home. UND hockey's at home. We've done that before. You know, there's part-time staff and all the stuff to do those big events. Jonas Brothers is two days before UND football. Uh, it's going to be one of those middle-of-night uh, conversions that uh, is, is going to be done over there. I do know that uh, every once in a while they'll, be, they'll reach out to city staff. Hey, do you, part-time gig, you know, you, you, all, all this stuff, looking for help. Um, to see... Uh, I'll, I'll say this. Our city administrator has worked in the middle of the night over there before. I see everybody. I mean, yeah. it, I talked to Anna specifically about that two days ago. So, yeah, I said, where is it that we can help? Um, I've been tied up a little bit and busy the last uh, couple of years, but I'm trying to be available. Sure. See what I can do. It's, 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 it's a lot of work. I've, in my younger years, I did some of that every once in a while. It's, it's, it's a lot of work. It's just kind of fun, right? It's, it's different, but it's kind of fun. You mentioned you've been tied up the past couple of years. Um, the jacket you're wearing is the Theodore Roosevelt Presidential Library, which is uh, in the process of being built out there by Medora Dickinson. Yep. In a, in a field out there somewhere. Is, is it really in a town anywhere? It's not. It's about less than a mile out of Medora, though. Um, so it's on top of a bluff right next to the uh, musical amphitheater that's sure. up there. And so, yeah, it's, it's close by, um, quite, quite near uh, Medora. We, we've had this conversation. This was a, a, a Governor Burgum when he first came on, uh, you know, at, at Theodore Roosevelt National Park. Let's get a presidential library out there. Um, uh, at the state level, created an endowment. Um, but then it's it's fundraising and, and, and at a national and I'm assuming world level. What is your what has been your involvement in this project as that project's being built? Uh, my official title is I'm the director for design and construction, and so I came on the project back in 2019. Actually, my fourth year anniversary is coming up here shortly. Sure. Um, and that was it. I mean, the very first thing I did was work a process to establish a site. Uh, earlier, the project had been identified to be in Dickinson, but it was later expanded considerably and moved to Medora, um, you know, very close to where 
Theodore Roosevelt sure. lived and, sure. and ranched and all of that, and it changed the, kind of the philosophy of the project. Uh, it's a very immersive project that's in the Badlands, connected to the Mata Hay Trail as an example. Um, but uh, one of the first things we I worked on was to work with the board and find a, that location because there was more than 13 or 14 looked at at the time. Sure. So, so as as this is uh, going on, uh, I don't want to say what what does it look like, right? You know that that that's not what I mean here. But a, a presidential library. What what are some of the amenities that it, um, the the general public will will see out there? Is is this a is it is it is it strictly a library, event space, all of the above place you can rent? What what, what are we expecting to see there? Well, interesting question you ask because it's not a library. There are no books in here. There are no- <laughs> Okay. <laughs> it it is has a lot of event space that we'll say that's going in it. Uh, much of the intent was not necessarily to learn about Teddy Roosevelt, but to learn from him. And we have a significant exhibit space that will be interactive. It'll be highly interactive, um, and you'll be able to go through this this event uh, space and go through various phases of. Theodore Roosevelt's life and the things that you would learn, uh, you know, and again, project how you might learn from that and how it might impact your own self. Uh, The idea was is that uh, uh, the adults won't drag their kids to it. Actually, the kids will want to bring the adults to it. That's really the intent of what we're trying to build it to and build it so that it is um, uh, recognizable and a part of the local community. Because if we can attract the locals, we think we can attract people from across the world. Well, and Medora is one of those spots where it's it's already attracting a lot of people from across the world. I will say this as as a family, I have uh, two children of my own, and we travel. One one of the first, you know, where, where is there a library? Is there a you know place? Stuff like that to do. We we love not just the libraries, but museums as well. We also love um, a museum that represents that local area we're at. Uh, my wife and I were in St. Louis. There's the St. Louis City Museum. You know, we're in Winnipeg. There's the Winnipeg Museum. Stuff yeah. like that. So so we very much enjoy that. Um, so you're working at with that at the state level as a city council member. Now you've had brought forward to you potential for a children's museum. <laughs> right, it, 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 apples and oranges a little bit, but you're now on the executive, uh, the, the policy decision end on on something like that. Uh, can you talk about in the, in the budget, which is going to be finalized here in in a week in mid September, just some a, a bit of a philosophy change where it comes to economic development funds for that project? Yeah, I think what I've learned a lot, especially on libraries of the, the size and magnitude that we're talking at, is uh, libraries don't make money. No, no, they don't. Um, they, you know, they may look at it, but the, the really the cost that goes into it and the O and M is is huge. So, as I I think of the, the the children's library that's proposed as a you know amazing quality of life mm-hmm. enhancement for the community and and of course I obviously I support it. Um, you know, I've met with them a couple of times and offered them some advice. Uh, our CEO Ed O'Keefe, who's originally from Grand Forks also has had that those kind of a conversations. So I, I think we're trying to build a little bit off each other and try to uh, hopefully, you know, make this project uh, a reality for us here in, in Grand Forks. And, and to your point um, that, that you, you stated there, uh, museums, libraries, the, structure them, the structures themselves, the, the footprint of that 
business, if you will, won't make money. But the people that come in and then go to a restaurant and then maybe stay overnight, maybe it's a, you know, there, there's, we talked about a multiplier effect of like the Alaris Center. There's a multiplier effect in, in buildings like this. You as a council member, you have to balance the, how much are, is the structure willing to, I mean, I'll use the term lose, right? You're not going to make money to the other thing. Uh, do you have a line in the sand for that? That's a tough one. That is, that's really, it really is because um, uh, I, I'm certainly going to learn more as, as the project right. goes forward to understand a little bit more about what that, uh, how that's going to work or play out um, internally. So um, I, all I, you know, I don't have a lot of detail, we'll say. I, what, I do, what I do see, I like, let's put it that way. Um, it, you know, we talk about quality of life projects. We talk about the turf and the aquatic center <laughs> yeah. or, or other ones, again, and uh, working on the capital construction of that. But I will say as a city council person, I think they have the fiduciary responsibility to make sure they can operate. Um, and not pin that on somebody else sure. down, down the road. One thing we learned about at the Lara Center is is those earlier years didn't generate as much money as we thought we would. And then at about that twenty year mark, things start wearing out. You got to put a new yeah. roof on, and and the expenses of all of that are, are going to have to become ultimately a part of the overall equation. And that same thing is going to happen, even with, obviously with the Children's Museum too. Right. And I'll say this. Uh, I've been in town long enough. I remember, remember when the Alaris Center was first built. I was there for the first football game. I was working in television at the time. Uh, yes, yes, the structure of the building is the same, but frankly, the, the stuff inside the building, all of it, all of it is pretty much, it's, it's different turf. Uh, the, the actual seats may be the same, but that's about it. The suites have been redone. The, I mean, just the, the amenities and the concourse, as you talk about, you, you get to a certain point, you, you have to do some work. Yeah, and, and a lot of that's the things you don't see, the mechanical right. systems, the electrical systems, the technology that has to come into play. Yeah. And in this case, the roofs. And, and, and you know, we are, luckily, we are able to, I mean, we went out to bid, didn't get anybody to bid on it. I mean, and the, and the costs, of course, went up from where we wanted to be. Today, we have somebody that's actually expediting it, getting it, that part done, um, in, a, in an earlier fashion than we had anticipated, which is always really good. The last thing you want to be is having people in there and have water coming yeah, through the roof. That's tough. For an indoor facility, that's yeah. a hard one. Um, as recently on council, you mentioned the turf and aquatic center, whatever that looks like, right? There's, there's versions out there, variations. Uh, what you guys as a council is, uh, put forward, there, there'll be uh, uh, on, on a ballot, public vote coming up in November, uh, mid-November time. Um, of not adding a sales tax, but ex- but not letting a sales tax expire. We have that three-quarter cent sales tax with the Alaris Center set to expire in 2029. What you're voting on is to change the parameters of that three-quarter cent and, and expanding it out. Um, can, can you talk about that? Talk about some of the discussions you maybe had on council, uh, good and bad. Um, and anytime you deal with sales tax, it has to go to a public vote. Yeah, I, I, I think that, first of all, I think there's a lot of great information that the public needs to be aware of, and I'm sure that'll be a part of, of this process. Um, 
we always knew that for the Alaris Center now, especially as we talk about these expenses, to have a long-term capital improvement plan. Right. And that we were going to continue to need sales tax to, to get that accomplished and keep the building going. You know, for a building that's now 20, 25 years old, it's in amazingly good shape. And that's because we've invested in it. If we don't invest in it, it's not going to be, we're not going to attract, and it's just not going to f- operate or function the way we wanted to. So it was, first of all, it was very critical for me that we don't um, get ourselves to, to a point where we don't have funding available to continue the project. Uh, but we, we wouldn't need the full three-quarter percent long-term. And so there was the opportunity that we would connect, you know, with the, these other quality-of-life projects. The mayor had been firmly pushing for that and, and then working uh, ultimately with the park district to, to operate those, that we could uh, bring these types of projects on board. Um, and it's not necessarily about attracting new people. It's taking care of the people, the citizens that are here now. Yeah. And that was uh, really important for us, that we wanted to, to um, not just look at trying to grow or bring things in, take care of our own, make people proud, and have activities and whatever that people have. So we would be, actually be a, a natural draw for people that want to come here um, and then have those people available you know, for the jobs that are also happening at the same time. I will say this. I'm a parent of a soccer player. Now, maybe not a traveling competitive, you know, competitive team type soccer player, but that puts you, you know, around those other parents and hearing it, it, it's they're not bad stories, you know, but they're where are you at this uh, Sioux Falls? Where are you at this one? Blaine? You know, you know, there, 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 there's these other places that have these indoor facilities. Not saying Grand Forks gets every one of them, but if you can take a couple of those weekends and bring those dollars here as opposed to out, I think that's a big deal. Yeah, and that's really the added benefit, right? We're already now we're taking care of our own uh, citizenry, um, but also there's the business aspect of each and every one of these quality of life projects that will bring bring uh, people in. I actually talked to somebody about the aquatic center the other day because I was really concerned about the cost of that and the profitability about that. And they, it was explained to me, there's so much opportunity here. Once that building is built and it's utilized, sure. it will be you know, extremely well utilized. So I, 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 I've mentioned this with uh, uh, in previous podcasts, uh, that Fritz Pollard is not a city building, it's UND's building, and yes, UND has priority when it comes to their practices and stuff. There, there's probably, whether it's youth football, youth soccer, there, there's there is stuff going on the weekends. There's stuff going on in that building. I would say all the time. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that's great. Uh, yes, but I also it shows the need. It shows the need, but also there's a cost to that. There you is. Know, the, these organizations are renting. They're space. renting that, and what we would like to do, I think, is to try to look at how we could could work in tandem and mm-hmm. maybe minimize some of those costs. Uh, uh, the latest discussion was something on a on indoor track, and I was astounded to hear the number of, of participants and and parents that are involved in something like that. So the mul- more multi-purpose I think we can make this, the more value it's going to bring, both internally and and the potential yep. to bring events here. Yep. No, that, that's a big one. All right, let's get into government 101. I know you love talking about this stuff. Um, I'm not. That is not sarcasm. This is your wheelhouse in the city council. But in the time you've been on the council, we've built a new water treatment plant. Again, one of those projects that impacts every citizens every citizen of Grand Forks. That it, it, the fact that we opened it and it was during COVID, <laughs> it was just kind of quiet. 
um, and we're working on the wastewater treatment plant. The infrastructure, the, those underground infrastructure things that a city has that are so important, but are lots of times some of the most expensive. Um, I, I will say when those topics come up on council, I think a lot of the other council members look at you and say, what do you think? Well, probably because I usually have an opinion. <laughs> um, well, that was kind of my background. I'm a civil engineer. I worked for a consulting firm for eight years, I guess, before I got, started working for the city. And actually, when I was a consultant, I did sewer separation projects for the city of Grand Forks. So even though it was private, there was projects oh, yeah. involved. Yeah. And, and so water, uh, pr- public infrastructure has probably been in my blood here since for for many many years and so yeah i mean when you look at streets i i'm very familiar of course even with the city uh codes the criteria of what it takes for a city street but you know if we don't have and well we need first of all we needed water because if we don't have water we don't have wastewater but you know the water was going to be super important and our uh our infrastructure was aging. I mean, the new water treatment plant that you talked about is state-of-the-art. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's uh, up and operating well. Um, and then, of course, we've had obviously opportunity with the industry. But even with the existing industry, Grand Forks has, we, use, we have more high-intensity water use industry than any other city in North Dakota. And so we've been able to supply that water. We've been able to handle that wastewater, um, that, that critical for jobs and the economy for what we're trying to do. Uh, and then you need streets to get there. Uh, also streets for the general public, yeah. you know, all of that. I mean, we've got water main in here that's 100 years old. We've got streets that were uh, granitoid that are 100 years yeah. old. And so you look at all of those things. Those are base infrastructure that, to me, has been the core of the things that I'm most involved in, I guess, or try to be. Um, obviously, we have to vote on all kinds of different sure. uh, subjects, but um, those are, are uh, really critically important. And, and we do have this major um, wastewater plant uh, expansions that are going on right now that are going to be going on for the next several years, which, again, most people don't even know or care about. They, you know, It's out of sight, out of mind, but it's critical. If we don't have that, we don't operate. I guess I was trying to illustrate, and, and you, you, you did it very well, very publicly, the turf and track or aquatics, you know, public vote and stuff like that. And, you know, those are the things that are, that are public, not public knowledge, but publicly viewed. Um, some of the really important stuff, the water treatment plant, which, by the way, if you have a chance to go on a tour there, at, at, Fred does a good job. That, that's, a, that's a good tour. That's a really good tour. Yeah. It's, and it's pretty amazing when you get in there. Um, yeah. You know. Um, so no, that, that's uh, that's fun. In fact, I, there's going to be some potential here for. I know they're, they're probably still going to have some grand opening coming up yet. Is what I understand. I, I've been involved in some emails that uh, something coming up this fall. I think we're going to have some state officials coming this way. Yeah. Um, to do that, and then along those lines, wastewater. Uh, wonderful people that work in wastewater. Um, you know, but the. What they deal with, <laughs> you know, is, is isn't the isn't the, the the fun thing. But core needs to when that's not there, everyone knows it. Everyone knows it. So that that project's going on too. Um, big projects. Uh, so Ken, I've got I've got one last thing here. Um, 
we, we see you talk about your, your engineering history and all this work you've done at the state and all the work you've done at the city. Um, recently, I've noticed you coming to city council meetings. Now it's summertime. I'm not sure what you're going to do in the winter. You've, you've, got a, you've got a new ride, don't you? Oh, uh. <laughs> I, I got you off guard a little bit. Ken will show up to a council meeting with a big bike every once in a while. Well, I've, I've been a motorcycle advocate since I was 10 years old. So I've been riding motorcycle for a long time. And uh, it's, once it's in your blood, um, it just stays there. I had, uh, had bought, I'd purchased uh, my first Harley-Davidson in, in 1995 and was going to sell it, but it was like selling my firstborn. I couldn't do it. <laughs> I still have it. I don't drive it always a lot, but it's fun to have. It, it's it's interesting uh, going to a city council meeting, everyone, and we all kind of walk out together, and there's normally some small talk and maybe a, what did you think of this, and talk and shop, and then all of a sudden Ken gets off, and he goes on to his, goes on to his Harley, and, it, and I, Ken, not going to lie, the first time I saw that, I'm like, Ken rides a bike. <laughs> Didn't know that. No. Yeah, and actually, just a, as a side to that, this year, because I'm doing so much work in, in Medora and the Badlands, I never had it before, but I bought a dirt bike just so I could ride the trails when I'm oh, out, just go out, out there out in Medora too. Yeah, no, no, that's great, great. Ken, thank you for joining us uh, uh, for uh, your Ward Seven City Council member. We've made our way through the City Council member members with the City Chatter podcast. So I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Well, thank you. I appreciate being here. And thank you, everyone, for watching. If you want to catch past episodes of uh, the City Chatter, um, you can go to grandforksgov.com slash podcast. You can see all the previous episodes. And, of course, you can catch this one here with Ken V. Next up on the City Chatter podcast, we're going to have the mayor. Mayor Bochensky is the next one. And then we'll get back into the city council members. So, everyone, thank you for watching and have a good day.